This is the Tribe Tech Podcast. Hello and welcome to Tribe Tech. I'm Robert Hillier and my co-host is Fiaz Khan. Hello. This podcast was recorded on June the 25th at the Digital Tech Southwest Gathering, looking at organisational culture. That's right. And there's also a video version of the podcast available on the Tech Southwest website. Our guests were Jane Ginova. Jane founded Shift, which helps organisations change how they work for the better. We asked her to introduce herself. I'm an ex-military, ex-finance, ex-HR leader. For the last five years, um, I've been running a consultancy called Shift that helps organisations through empowering and engaging the potential of all the people in the company to do different things. So we create a different organisational culture to achieve different results focused on high performance working, really about sort of a helping the company itself to achieve what it's setting out to do because it feels like we're wasting a lot of potential in organizations from the experience that I've had and the the studies that I've done it was all pointing in one direction empowerment is a valuable tool for helping people to achieve but it goes against what the traditional leadership uh, direction is and the traditional ways of running a business don't always pay to that so there's something about changing not just leadership styles but the organizational culture that you've got. We're also joined by Paul Massey the founding director of Blue Fruit Software. They were the winners of the 2019 Best Tech Workplace at the Tech Southwest Awards last year. This is Paul's introduction. Uh, yeah I'm Paul Massey, uh, I'm a founder and director of uh, Blue Fruit Software down in Cornwall. Blue Fruit Software, we write embedded software, so that's software that goes in um, equipment uh, and uh, more recently, sort of in the past five years, we've been around 20 years and in the past five years we've been getting quite into writing software for uh, medical devices. And finally, we spoke to Andy Collier from First Data Bank, where he's been described as a champion of positive developmental culture. This is Andy's introduction. I'm the head of IT and software. We're a tech company in Exeter. We create software to um, for the healthcare market to help clinicians make the best possible decisions, primarily around drugs and prescriptions. So we began with Jane explaining to us exactly what organisational culture is. We often talk about organisational culture as being the way that stuff happens around here. And Guy called Edgar Schein in uh, 1980 came up with this model, which is, uh, I think, really powerful. And it shows the depth of organisational culture and why it's so difficult to change sometimes. So organisational culture at the heart of it has got the assumptions of everybody in the business tied into it. Um, it's about all those things that we just um, are brought up to believe. Um, there are, those are often those often go unsaid. And um, in the previous session, um, somebody picked up on the fact that um, as a new founder, the culture of the organisation is very much your it's your assumptions. It's how you think a business should work and how you think people should work and will work when treated a certain way. Um, so those are at the heart of organisational culture. But what we often hear about is the espoused values. It's what people say. It's the values that the company says it has. It's what goes on the wall. Um, they don't always reflect the assumptions that are at the heart of it. And then lastly, we have the... Um, what Shine calls artifacts, which are basically, um, it's the stuff that you can walk in an office and see, you know, um, are there little screens up between desks? Are people sat around collaborating? Um, 
is it a very colourful office? Is it grey? Are people looking miserable? What are the policies that they've got in place? And all of those things together make up organisational culture. Um, but you can't change organisational culture by just hitting the outside of it. You've got to get deep into the uh, assumptions and, and identify what people actually believe. And um, uh, I'll explain there is, uh, is, is what you can see and feel isn't it? We're talking about what's up on the wall and the way that offices and desks are laid out. So how yeah. does that manifest itself if we're working remotely, we're working with clients around the world? How do you embed that sense of what your mission is? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because um, pretty much all of the companies that we're looking at at the moment have, have worked in an office space of some kind. They've established those artefacts and um already so they've got something brands communicate that as well um, so when we see new companies that are forming that are wholly remote they have to do extra work around this they have to do extra work to make sure that everybody understands what the organizational culture is so even if you're not all playing in the same office then you need to be all playing by the same guidelines the same principles in order to make things work um, but it just needs a bit more conscious effort um, rather than just bringing people into the same place and expecting it to happen. And Paul, I suppose we're having won last year's uh, Tech Southwest Award for, for Best Tech Workplace. You, you know a bit about this. I mean, how, how does Bluefoot manage to be agile in these changing times? I mean, what we found is uh, a lot of the work that we did uh, before COVID, kind of building up uh, sort of uh, relationships and trust between staff um, and uh, building up this kind of culture and common understanding and those common assumptions that Jane's talking about, I think have really helped us kind of bridge this gap over lockdown. Um, I think that there's a lot of talk about uh, what sort of uh, changes might come out permanently as a result of people understanding how they can work remotely. But we're feeling a little bit cautious about that. Um, you know, we feel a lot of the successes um, that we've had through lockdown um, have been as a result of what that work we did before. So we're certainly uh, trying to make sure that any changes that might have a long lasting effect um, uh, are, are very deliberate. So for example, um, I, uh, um, any recruitment that we're doing at the moment, and we are recruiting at the moment, um, uh, that we, um, although uh, everyone's working remotely and it'd be very easy to accommodate someone who only wants to work remotely, we're um, making a deliberate decision that actually we want to make sure that that, that we're, we're not kind of uh, tying ourselves in to, to the current way of working when we, when, when we think the successes were really tied in how we were working before lockdown. And then how do you make the decision that, okay, it's time to get back to the office then? Well, um, we, uh, I mean, obviously in our sort of empowerment environment, that, that's very much down to the staff. So we are, um, as uh, the sort of leaders in the organisation, it's about removing the barriers so that um, people have got the choice about whether they, um, uh, where they want to work and whether they feel comfortable working in the office or working from home. Uh, so we need to remove those barriers, but we need to make sure that the teams are making decisions that are, are right for them um, and not making any assumptions that there's going to be a, a general answer to that question. So we, we we have sort of multiple layers of our empowerment as well. So we uh, empower, um, we sort of devolve a lot of decisions down to team level and also devolve some decisions down to individual level. And so it's kind of getting 
getting those levels right and, and certainly um, with elements about whether you're working from home or not, which are relevant to the team. And so the team need to converge on, on, a, on a view on that as well as what, what, what works for certain individuals. And of course, if there's individuals who, who, who no longer kind of uh, jail well with the team because uh, of the change of direction there, then because we've got um, something like seven teams here at Blue Fruit, we can always kind of accommodate any sort of uh, divergence there um, by uh, uh, creating positions on other teams for people. So Andy, how do you capture the positives that many companies say they've gathered from this time in terms of the ability to work remotely and to be measured on what you've been doing, not how often you're in the office. How do you make sure you, 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 you capture that without really quickly returning to, if I can't see you, I don't know if you're working, I need you to come back into the office. Because a lot of what we're seeing in terms of the economic future of the country seems to be built around getting back to normal as quickly as possible. And that's almost become the measure of success, doesn't it? It's how quickly we can go back to the shops and back to the pubs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so so much, much like Paul, we've done a, a lot of work ahead of this to understand what are our values and, and what, what does everyone uh, feel about the culture. Um, I think uh, for us, uh, you know, empowerment is a big part, uh, but also trust and communication are kind of the, the two key things. So along with the empowerment kind of idea, um, we trust that people will make the right decisions and we, and everybody in the organization trusts that we as leaders want the best for everybody and it's not cut some kind of facade uh, or anything like that um, and we really ramped up the communication uh, aspect so uh, I think it was Ben earlier in the previous session talked about you kind of miss those incidental uh, uh, communications um, and so so you know we've kind of had to engineer those in a little bit and so it's, it's different it, 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 no doubt about that um, but keeping those feedback loops all the time uh, is really important. And so as well as telling everybody much more often how we're feeling about the situation, uh, what we're doing about it, what our plans are currently, um, we also ask it, make sure that everybody gets lots of opportunity to uh, give their input as well. So we do surveys and we, we've started a million Teams channels for various different things, mostly fun-based, uh, but it gets keeping that engagement helps us understand where everyone's at um, and looking forward to the what is going back uh, we're very clear we, we've got intentions um, but much like Paul said it, it comes back to safety and we're not going to make anyone do anything that they're uncomfortable with and we'll work out what what that looks like for the future based on keeping up the feedback and keeping up the communication. Tribe Tech. So, Jane, how important is leadership in all of this? What do you think are the pressures upon people in leadership roles to be allowed to have the, the time and space to see if they can change organisational culture or, or, or keep it at the level it was mm -hmm. when there's such clear economic imperatives to be surviving and, and, and delivering? How, how, how important is leadership to to resolve that issue. We've seen a few different styles of leadership, I think, coming out during this period. Um, and we felt we've seen a bit of a reaction against it, I think, as well. So when the change happened, when lockdown happened and, and companies all of a sudden had to start working from home very quickly, 
there is amazing adaptability shown by individual employees and real leadership shown, I think, by, by leaders who, who enable that to happen. Um, it was quite directive. People didn't have a choice. You just were told to go home. Um, what we've seen as a result of people working from home is um, it's on a bit of a spectrum, really. You've got managers who are using all of the software tools that are available um, enable uh, to enable them to monitor and supervise and continue to run the same kind of ship as they did before. And then at the other end, you've got people who are empowering and sharing and being more open and looking at how um, they can give people the, the freedom, the autonomy to be able to work where and when they want to in the future, um, as we've seen from the, the people we've got on the call today. Um, uh, it's really interesting going forward, I think, because I think employees are seeing, and there's a lot more press about it, about the alternatives. So I think there's a lot of pressure on leaders from below as well as from um, their shareholders or investors, um, looking at um, how they can make all of this happen. There's been a lot of stuff out there as well about the positive outcomes, not just for the individual employees, but for the companies um, that are working in this different way. And I think for some leaders, it's been a revelation to see that actually people are self-motivated, that if they've got a good job, they want to get on and do it. So for some people, their, um, their eyes have been open to the possibilities, I think. And I think we'll see an increase in different ways of working as a result of that. It's up to leaders now to make their choice about which path they want to go down. And how receptive are they? Are leaders receptive to this different way of working? I think some are and some aren't. So if you think about back to that shine model, those assumptions that are held deeply within us and sometimes unquestioned, you know, if you're um, the kind of person that um, that believes that people really don't aren't self-motivated, that they will not do anything without either a carrot dangled in front of them or a stick to whack them on the behind when they don't do anything. If you think people are naturally passive, then you're unlikely to be able to accept that this is a sensible way to run a business. It's going to seem like madness to you. Um, so those kind of leaders are, are not really going to be able to lead a company that's working in a different way. It's going to feel very uncomfortable for them. Um, but there are a lot of leaders out there who are, um, particularly in the tech sector, I would say, um, that are actually have always approached things in a different way. They started their companies or got into the positions that they are because they wanted to run a company differently, um, not like some of the other ways they've done it. And so and I think then there's that middle ground. And I think more now are moving towards that. Actually, we we can trust people that they will do the right thing, that you know, we just need a way to kind of enable them. So it's more servant as lead, uh, leader as servant, which is, a you know, quite an old management idea, but one that maybe is coming a bit to the fore now that we just need to be able to enable and support people to achieve what we need them to achieve rather than um, monitor and oversee and beat them up about it. Well, the reaction of your staff take either of you by surprise in terms of how they responded to to this change? No, in, in some ways, you know, uh, because we were kind of doing the empowerment already, I think we were set up already. I mean, just to kind of sort of add to what Jane was saying, I think, you know, all leadership styles will be kind of challenged in these times. Um, I think uh, in a sort of empowerment environment, uh, there's a great strength there because, 
you know, just like NASA and power the astronauts to be able to make decisions because they're remote and uh, they can respond much quicker than having to go up through chains of, of hierarchy. Um, you know, working remotely, um, empowerment works very well in that sense, but there's also challenges. So um, one of the challenges that you have under sort of an empowerment um, structure is um, coherence, strategic coherence. So when you devolve power across your organization so that decisions are being made locally, that's great in terms of those quick feedback loops, reducing waste, all those kind of things, uh, and morale, of course. But how do you get uh, strategic coherence across your organization um, in that environment? And uh, in a sort of non-lockdown environment, uh, we uh, at Blue Fruit, the approach we take to that is very much around a kind of diverge, converge pattern. So uh, allowing individuals and teams to diverge, explore problem spaces, come up with novel solutions, uh, but then making sure you bring everyone back together to kind of share learning and adopt best practices and learn from each other. And so I think the challenge in, or one of the challenges in the current situation is empowerment works very well, uh, but over a sort of longer period, how can we make sure that we get that sort of strategic coherence and that kind of convergence over thinking. And I think that's really where those uh, in a sort of empowered uh, organization, uh, that's where uh, leadership is really going to be tested to, to make sure that uh, our role as leaders, that we achieve that kind of coherence. And again, that's through the sort of things that can be about, about you know, our game in, in, in terms of communication using every channel that we can think of, every trick we've got in the book to uh, get people talking more, um, getting allowing people to talk ad hoc as well as organized meetings, using tools which allow sort of whiteboarding and brainstorming and uh, flexible project management, all these kinds of things, throwing every, everything that we've got at it um, to make sure that we, we've got the kind of transparency and communication to achieve that coherence and that convergence that we need. I can only agree with everything that, that's been said. It, it's really, really important to to, to adapt. You've got, you've got to adapt to the di different environments. I think probably we're a, maybe a little bit different because we're a little bit bigger. Our teams were already quite diverged to some degree. So uh, on different floors is one kind of example, but also we've got a team in Belarus. Um, and so we've kind of already hit some of those challenges uh, that and we found that really it it's the same as well as the kind of the corporate culture the kind of the the operate model uh works well to to feed off of those feedback and uh, and communication and and trust uh things um i think the the strategy part about keeping uh a a holistic view um is is the the hardest challenge but like i say we've kind of already um approached some of those problems um and go, going back to normality whatever that is uh is kind of the next challenge because it's going to change again um and it, so everybody was in the office now everybody's at home and next up presumably we're going to have a and there's a bit of a mix so some people will be in the office some people will be at home and so that's the next kind of thing that we've got to work out how do we not isolate those that aren't in the office or or you know all those kind of challenges can i just make a very quick point which follows on from what's just been said and might give people some reassurance my last job as a, an hr director 
Um, we introduced a system whereby we gave com people complete freedom about where and when they worked. And we tried to create an atmosphere in the office that drew people in. Um, people came into the office more than a lot more than we thought they would. Nobody disappeared. Nobody went AWOL. People continued to come and wanted to work together. So I think that's a, it's about creating that environment in a shared space that, that, that people want to be in. Yeah, and we hear that really clearly. Uh, the, the feedback is we want to get to the back to the office. We want to, I mean, this is probably a long way off, but, you know, we want to give everyone a hug. That's, <laughs> we can't do that, but uh, it's a very clear, very clear message. So actually a, a good topic for future might be the future of the office itself and what that's, what that's going to mean and how that's going to look. That's all we have time for now. Thank you for listening. If you were at the event, many apologies for the software issues at the start and thank you for all your positive comments. If you enjoy the networking with others in the Tech Southwest community, we'll be having these events at least once a month, so see you there. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so by tweeting at us at techswofficial or you can contact us on LinkedIn or Instagram. We look forward to hearing your comments. Yep, thanks for making the events work so well. See you next time. A Tech Southwest podcast, Tribe Tech. You can get in touch with us by tweeting Tech SW Official. 